Thanks for tuning in today to localjobnetwork.com radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. My name is Katie Chesney, and on Volunteering At, we explore volunteer organizations and provide insight into how job seekers can keep their skills sharp and resume full by volunteering. And today we are with Kathy Stone, the executive assistant to the CEO of Dogs for the Deaf. Now, um, Kathy, could you tell us a little bit about your organization? Well, Dogs for the Deaf is a nonprofit organization, and we were founded, oh, in about 1977 uh, by Roy Cabot, who was, uh, he trained animals for movies and television shows, and he had a small traveling circus, very exciting life he had. But after he retired, he moved up to Oregon and uh, decided that, you know, that he wanted to uh, spend the rest of his time up here. But after a few years, the ASPCA, or the American Humane Society, contacted him, the um, American Humane Association in Denver, Colorado, asking if perhaps maybe he would be interested in trying to train a dog that would be able to help uh, someone with hearing loss. He decided to take that challenge on, and he started working with a woman that had had gradual hearing loss, and she had noticed that her dog was actually kind of alerting her to sounds and things that were happening around her house. And after uh, her dog passed, she realized how special that dog was to her. It gave her the peace of mind and the security of knowing what was going on in, in her life and around what was going on around her. So she was hoping to be able to get another dog that would be able to help her in that uh, way. And so uh, Roy took on that challenge. And after the first dog, he realized that there was need for that type of professionally trained dog that he just uh, started Dogs for the Deaf. All right. So um, I know that you have several volunteer opportunities listed on your website, and that's kind of why we're here today. Could you kind of walk us through, um, you know, what some of these opportunities are and kind of explain if they're only local or if they're national and kind of what they all involve? Sure. We have locally here in uh, Oregon, we have what are group that works with the dogs in the kennels. And basically, they work with them to give them the socialization skills, and uh, they take them for walks around our property and just kind of play with the dogs and make them happy. And that's actually our our most popular uh, volunteer program. That's the one everybody wants to get into. So our second local volunteer group is, we call them our special events volunteers. And they help us out during our fundraising events, during our dog walk, things along that line where we don't need them all the time, but we do need that help during the really crunch times. And, you know, they're such a needed position, too. And then on the national level, we have what are called ambassadors. And our ambassador program, uh, our ambassadors serve as, kind of representatives of Dogs for the Deaf in their local areas. And uh, the way they do that is they'll give uh, presentations to a variety of groups in their areas, uh, be it Rotary Clubs or Good Sam Clubs, Lions Clubs, things like that, or church mm-hmm. groups, uh, school groups. After they pass a screening process, 
we give them a training manual and some presentation materials, and they just go out and just be representative of Dogs for the Deaf for us. All right. And what kind of skills do you think that your ambassadors build when they're out in the field and they're giving these presentations? It kind of sounds like it'd be great for someone who's looking to get into um, a role where, you know, presentations and having good people skills is kind of um, valuable and needed. So can you give us a little bit more insight on, you know, the feedback that you receive from your ambassadors in those roles? Oh, yes. Oh, we have, well, the skill sets that they would need for uh, becoming an ambassador are the ability to want to get in front of groups. You know, they have to really enjoy people and getting out and just seeing the face of uh, Dogs for the Deaf. They are the backbone of how we get the information to so many people in across the United States. We only have our one location in Oregon, but we place our dogs throughout the United States, and we couldn't do that unless we had our volunteers and ambassadors spreading the word about us. What does a typical day look like for a volunteer who's being an ambassador? Is it something that they just kind of do in their own free time, you know, nights and weekends? Or what's the kind of the time commitment involved for something like that? Well, that's the beauty of our ambassador program is they make it what they want it to be. They have the ability to go out and find interested groups that want to hear about us. Also, we have groups that contact us. Okay. that ask for more information about us or they want to know what we do. And so then we then, uh, well, then what I do is I locate a ambassador. If we have an ambassador close by, I contact them and set up a time where they could meet with uh, the interested parties. Also, our ambassadors will go to um, like Deaf Nation Expos or Deaf Fest, different hearing loss association meetings or conventions. So another opportunity that I saw on your website, um, it kind of sounded like it was for people who were looking to get, you know, more people skills, and it was called um, volunteer interviewers, because it kind of sounds like you source your dogs throughout the United States, but you're only in one state. So you have to get to all those dogs somehow. So you have volunteer interviewers. Can you talk to us a little bit about that role and kind of how you become qualified to be in that role and kind of what it's all about? Oh, sure. A lot of the uh, ambassadors, we have two levels of ambassadors also. We have the first level is mainly the group that likes to go out and do presentations and uh, visit with people. Then the second group is a little more intensive, and that is the group that wants to perhaps help in a deeper way by going and doing applicant interviews, by making follow-up visits. And since that is a little bit more intensive, we do have to screen that a little bit more. We do have to do a background check on those people. And the reason we do that is because we want to protect both our ambassador, our applicants and clients, and, of course, our organization. Sure, that that makes sense, definitely. So uh, why is it so important to get involved with your organization? And how does getting involved with your organization kind of give back to the community as a whole? Well, that, that's a great question, too. Well, for one, we're a nonprofit, and so, you know, our funds are, you know, every dollar that comes in, we want to be good stewards to it. So our volunteers, as I said before, they're our backbone. You know, they, they're the ones that just get out there and, and you know, it, 
to train a dog. The four to six months that it takes to train a dog from the time that comes from the shelter being placed with one of our clients, it costs approximately $25,000. We really have to watch our every every dollar that comes in. We really have to watch what, what happens to it. And so like last year, our volunteers, they saved us, you know, the national uh, hourly rate is was, uh, I think, $19.33 last year. And uh, with all the hours that they put in last year, they they saved us over $22,000, you know, if we, we had to find somebody to go out and, you know, pay to do what they do. That's pretty much uh, the cost of training one of our dogs. So, uh, you know, we saved that money and we're able to use our money more wisely. Right. So um, you kind of mentioned that, you know, the large cost involved with training one of these dogs. And it just made me wonder, how many dogs do you guys train every year? And what's the process like for finding a great match for a dog and a person who is deaf? We find all our dogs through shelters. So we don't have a breeding program. We got get all of our dogs that were potentially, unfortunately, potentially euthanized so that we, we rescue them. They come into our facility and uh, they go through a quarantine time frame where they're checked for their health. After they go through the quarantine, then they go out to one of our trainers and spend about four to six months training with that trainer to learn to alert their person to different sounds, be it a uh, smoke alarm, oven timer, a telephone, a baby crying. You know, we personalize a dog to what the client needs are. So do people approach you and then you kind of find a dog and work with them from there? Or is it kind of just, you know, on a need a need by basis where, you know, there just so happens that there's a dog and a person and they're a great fit? How does that work? Oh, yes. Well, once the dogs are probably about halfway through their training, the dog only works with the one trainer throughout the training time frame. And so then the trainer knows what the dog's abilities are or their personalities, you know, if they have to have a um, more sedentary lifestyle or if they're a very go-getter dog. So then they start matching them up with our applicant list. The trainers are, you know, they're very good at finding the right dog for the right person. They really do match our clients with best dog that will do the best for them. But we rescue dogs that may otherwise be euthanized. And even if the dogs don't make it through our program, they are never sent back to a shelter. They're always our dogs. Even if they don't go into a program, they're, they become what we call career change dogs. And those are really, they're uh, wonderful, happy dogs who just don't want to work for a living. <laughs> so, some people don't want to work for a living either, but some dogs just aren't, you know, don't have that motivation to uh, do, do the work that would be needed. But these dogs are great, loving pets. So we, what we do is we put them in our career change dog and uh, we then find them a forever home. Well, that's certainly great to hear. I know that my dog would not be one to um, have a job so lazy. <laughs> so could you share um, with our listeners one of your most memorable stories about your volunteers giving back to your organization and the community? This story uh, is so wonderful. And it came from one of my ambassadors. Uh, she was 
had been attending a Deaf Nation Expo just lately, and she sent me this story that I just thought was so wonderful. It just shows how important our volunteers are because they're both educating the public and getting our name out. But um, at their booth, uh, there was a mother and daughter that came up to the booth, and uh, the daughter was going off to college, and the mother well, they both decided that she really needed a dog to help her at, while she was at college. And so they they did a little research in our organization, and they liked what they saw, but they uh, misunderstood, and they thought that it cost $25,000 for them to get one of our dogs. Mm-hmm. So they thought they had to pay that amount, and they just decided that they couldn't, uh, at that point, get a dog that the daughter needed. And so our ambassador then explained that, no, it's not the, you know, it's the 25000 is how much it costs to train a dog. The cost for a, a client is a $50 application fee, and then uh, we ask for a $500 deposit, a goodwill deposit that is repaid after a year to the client. And so when they heard that, I mean, they, they were just so, so happy. They both started crying and they, you know, they just broke down because they all of a sudden they were able to apply for a dog. So I just thought that was just a wonderful example of why we need our uh, volunteers doing what they do. Well, that certainly was a heartwarming story. Thank you for sharing that with us and our listeners today. So just to, before we wrap things up today, how can someone get in contact with you to become a volunteer, you know, via phone or email, your website? What's the best way to go about doing that? Well, they can visit our website. It's www.dogsforthedeaf, it's all spelled out, .org. And if they go to the About Us tab and they pull that tab down, there'll be a section that for volunteers. And they just go there and they can fill out a uh, online form and then that will be sent to us and we can take it from there. Or they can give us a call at 541 Unfortunately, our time is coming to a close today on Volunteering At, so I just want to thank Kathy for joining us and sharing her expert advice. Now, to find more employment-related shows, head over to ljnradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, send me an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. And once again, I'm your host, Katie Chesney with LJN Radio, and I wish you the best with your job search. 